Songs are like painting, bro. Pay attention only to the music. The music. It's just me and uh, my machines. I'm MP, and this is the Musically Proper Podcast. In this interview series, I'll be breaking down the art of listening with experimental musicians. We'll find out how these artists value the listening experience and dive into their production techniques. This is Musically Proper. My guest today is Dirty White Vans, AKA Cameron Rice. He's an artist out of Ohio and recently released his debut album, Aloof, through Orange Milk Records. Cam was actually asked to make this record by one of the co-founders of Orange Milk, a highly sought after label for underground experimental musicians. I'm sharing Dirty White Vans with you today because I found Aloof to be an incredible blend of rapping, singing, and dance beats with an easy confidence. This episode will start with a preview of Cam and his music before jumping into his influences and how he approaches the art of listening. Then we'll break down the production on Aloof before learning about Cam's artist collective, Bad Jeans. Songs are like painting, bro. Like, why can painters charge 3000 for one piece? Really, the people who played a good part of my music, I would say, is the Gorillas. Uh, yeah, because they, they fuse like hip hop, uh, jazz, you know, neo soul, all that together for real into like one thing. And they're like from Britain, dude. Like, how do you guys do this? It's crazy. <laughs> So, like, really them, for real, like, influenced it. And um, then later down the line, I learned that, you know, Dayton was the home of funk. And then, like, I got hip to them. And just more Ohio music, like, you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I'm just like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're from Cleveland, though. But, like, still, Ohio together, bro. I think Bone Thugs are, like, the most underrated group in Yo. hip-hop. Um, and uh, it's crazy you said Gorillaz, because I was just listening to... Um, when I was listening to The Boys Are Back, I was like, oh, this sounds like a Gorillaz track. Before we kind of go through some of the individual songs, I want to do these questions, you know, this idea of being a good listener, the background of where Musically Proper comes from and how we like, how we experience music, how we listen to it. This first one is, what's what's the last album you listened to front to back? And, and like, kind of what was that experience like? Uh, Kenny Mason. Do you know anything about Kenny Mason? Um, I want to guess like some jazz or funk artist, but I'm not sure. Right, he sounds like that. Right, he sounds like an old head for real. <laughs> not even close, man. Like, uh, he's I think he's only 19 right now, but like, dude, he's crazy. He's like, uh, he's like 2000s punk rock mixed with like hip hop. It's not like that, uh, you know, screamo that's going on now, which is cool. But like, he's taking the rock and the hip hop to a whole nother scene, and like. He's kind of using like SP 404 effects on his vocals and also on his chops. It's just like front to back. It's like crazy. In my, in my opinion, like it's an experience, honestly, like it's just incredible. Even his videos are amazing. Wow. Dude, that's a, that you set that up. Well, I'm, I'm going to check that out. Um, and so like, where, where were you when you listened to this? Like, was it all in one, like sitting, were you on headphones? Did you just play some of it in the car. How did, how did you take it in? Man, I play it every day on the car, on the phone. When I first listened to it, it was in the car. I won't lie. My dude, Ryan King, uh, he told me to listen to Kenny Mason. He was like, if you really want to see something different, 
He said, I went to go see Kenny Mason for a show, and he was just incredible. I'm like, okay, I'll listen to him, man. You know, I listen to people that, when they recommend me to him, but, like, sometimes, you know, it's just not what I feel. But Kenny Mason was, like, 100%. This dude's actually really good, man. Okay, so next next thing. How often do you revisit albums? So when you so obviously Kenny Mason is a is an album that's that's impacted you. And we have albums like that as we're growing up. We come across different albums that mean a lot to us. How often do you go back to albums like that, or do you feel like you're always looking for for new music? I think I always go back to it pretty often. Uh, if not, I don't listen to music every day. But when I do, those are probably the ones I put on, just because you know I resonate the most to them. And there's always something new that you can discover about a song. You know. Every listen is a different experience. Uh, I listen to um, swimming so many times, and like I notice something different every time. Um, you know, like when's the last time you listen to music like without any distractions, like whether it was headphones or not? Like, man, uh, probably when I was in Ohio. Uh, I used to. I have a studio in Ohio that's like you know thirty minutes away from my mom's house, and me and all my friends from Bad Jeans go there and make music. And a lot of the times, I'm the only one there. And like it's in, you know what Huffy bikes are? Yeah, I remember Huffy bikes. <laughs> okay, okay. So look, it's in the old Huffy uh, building. So the warehouse where they used to make Huffy bikes is in that building. They turned that to like artist renovations so people can have studios in there. Can you tell me about the setup uh, a little bit? They're like NS10s, you know, uh, or Yamaha HS5s for real. Really warm sound. I feel like Yamaha's give off for real. Um, if that, I use some Sennheiser uh, headphones for real. these bad boys right here. Might okay. Put me on to these. Uh, the uh, HX. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so you have a preferred headphone. It's, it's shout out Sennheiser. Yeah, dude. I, I have like three or four of these for real. I love these. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. I love that. Um, cool. So preferred listening format. Uh, tape, CD, vinyl digital do you have a, pre- a preference but i really love all of them but it's probably still going to be digital digital yeah. is just, i don't know it's easy it's uh i get it right away i can just listen to it you know there is a huge difference between you know playing it on what is that uh polyphonic on like you know on a vinyl player you know it does feel a lot warmer more like natural for the static and everything which is good but i feel like sometimes uh I don't know. The digital is just right there in my face. Okay. We kind of talked about this uh, in Instagram yesterday. I was going to ask you preferred streaming platform, but it sounds like Tidal. Um, is there, what's the reason for that? Tidal is really nice sound quality. Yeah. Just overall. I've had, you know, Spotify and Apple Music and uh, I don't know any other ones after that, honestly, but Spotify, Apple Music, you know, Tidal. Tidal has the fullest, loudest sound for real. Who has the best UX experience for you? Dude, Spotify, obviously, man. Spotify <laughs> is for the listener and the artist, man. Like, I just mm-hmm. wish they, I don't know, like, it kind of sounds like SoundCloud quality in a way. Like, it's uh, it's very, like, limited. They put a high limiter on there, so it's really full, but, like, really, like, crunchy kind of sometimes. Compared to, like, a title, it's, like, clean, but, like, full and, like, robust and beautiful you know it's the actual sound that you hear in the studio nice i like that that makes sense well but so hands down spotify has a better ux experience that you're saying oh yeah for sure dude come on people love playlists on there people (laughs) 
follow the artists on there. Like on title, no one's gonna do that. I've always thought Spotify is like this the, the digital record store. Like you're gonna see these related artists, you're gonna go down and get a bio, you're gonna look at the years these things are I don't know. It's just so easy to like explore music on there, I feel like. And um, I, like, I still think it's pretty exciting to find music on there. It's not the same as going to a record store, but it's just kind of like, you know, the portable experience, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. No okay. one's using it, man. Like, no one's really using title like that. Like, like you said, the UX on Spotify is just up there for real, man. Like, and sound quality is cool, but like when you can just, you got to just be thankful that you, that you can even hear a song every day, you know, like. That's honestly where it stems from. You know, we can be picky about the sound quality and how good something is. Or I think about Lil B when it comes to sound quality sometimes, man. Like, <laughs> you ever listen to Lil B? Oh, I remember Bass God. I mean, like, I, I can't call out Lil B songs, but I've heard Lil B. He's a, he's a character. He's interesting. So, yeah, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, bro. Like, his sound quality is not the best at all, you know? like, <laughs> And I'm not, like, trying to, like, uh you know talk down on his engineering thing i think it's the actual sound quality he likes to have you know it's like uh, but it's the way he portrays it you know like this is what he's giving out to the world so the world has to accept it as a little beat i feel like we should take that as a lot of music you know just accept it for what it is i don't it's cool that we have people that are really like into like sound quality and stuff it's amazing but just be thankful that you can hear it and enjoy and experience it it's kind of like i love how that humility behind that it makes me think about artists getting paid for songs. I've thought about this before, like, and I know it's not the same comparing like artists, like like actual like art, you know, visual art, painted art. But I've thought of streams before and just tell me what you think of this. Like, you know, it's like an artist every time you go to a museum and every time an eye looks at their painting, they get like a couple cents or something like that. You know, but music, on the other hand, we're, we want to say like, well, if you're going to listen to this, every stream needs to be a little paid to the artist. Um, how do you feel about like as an artist what do you think about that like do you think you should get paid more per stream and all that i really do man it's it's like getting like not even half a cent for something really hurts and uh you know i don't it takes such a long time to make one song sometimes bro you really could like songs are like paintings bro like why can painters charge three thousand for one piece but artists cannot charge three i guess we could sell songs but like we're we're sold the idea that we need to put these on streaming platforms for people to hear and for us to get paid it's not really like that because you make a good point like yeah artists aren't getting you know cents per every per every view but they are selling these pieces for a really large amount and that's i think the reason why i kind of ask these questions and approach this idea of a good listener is because i don't know if people treat music like art as much anymore because it is so accessible you know i think maybe that's why someone like home shake it was like if i could change one thing in the music industry i'd kill streaming platforms and it didn't start with streaming i think itunes and singles and all that kind of killed the album experience but people stopped treating music as art you know when when vinyl ended and all that these listening parties these ideas of just really tuning in it kind of it's kind of stopped but there's still people who do but i kind of want to bring that back and revisit that so you kind of agree with that it's not really treated like an art form the way it should be it, it isn't dude i think artists should take it in their hands to really get off these streaming platforms man i really i would really want someone to appreciate the music that i put out for real instead of you know oh this is just something you put out i'm gonna listen to it once and then you know it's out the door you know it's just like so if someone, yeah because it's really like dang dude i 
not me personally, but for any artist, you probably worked on a song or an album for like two, three, four years. And, you know, sometimes I guess not everyone is the greatest artist, but, you know, sometimes people don't appreciate that. No, that's it. Yeah, we just don't get to experience that when it's just handed to you so easy. You can just click on it. You just yeah, it is crazy, especially when you talk about the time that goes into it. And that kind of brings up this idea of like new music, the idea that. I mean, music's new if it's the if it's new from an artist, so it's like new in that sense, or it's the first time you're hearing it, so it's new. But you just you have your debut album. How old are some of those ideas on that song, like on the, of the songs on Aloof? How long had you been working on those? So Seth first asked me to do the album album in November of 2019. I remember. You said Seth asked you to do the album. Are you talking about Seth uh, Graham from Orange Milk? Yeah. Um. So I think. And I, I think I'm accurate about this. My friend Proxy, who's also in Bad Jeans, she's a member of Bad Jeans, awesome artist, awesome producer. Um, Seth had asked her to do a show one time. You know, he was on her SoundCloud. He liked her music. And this is when he, I think he owned the venue Pretty House. Don't quote me on that. But like, uh, he asked her to do a show at Pretty House. And she killed it. And I think he asked her to do an album. And then she was like, yo, Seth, I have this friend, Dirty White Vans, yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, okay. Uh, and then he, I don't know, he messaged me on Instagram. I posted this song called Yeah, I Got Money. And he was like, I love this track. Uh, do you think you could do an album with us? I'm like, sure, dude. I didn't know who this guy was for real. Wow. Like, yeah, I'll do it. I got nothing better to do, you know, trying to focus on bad jeans. But, you know, I could do this. I was always a fan of Orange Milk in a way because I love Jerry Paper. And I, I've been loving Jerry Paper since 2016, bro. So, like, to find out that Jerry Paper was with these guys, I was like, yo, this is my dream label, bro. I thought I loved yeah. Orange Throw. No, bro, I love Orange Milk. I love Orange Milk. And Damn. Orange Milk is really for the artist, man. Uh, you know, he they, they treat me well. They treat me awesome. Uh, Seth is always open up for like suggestions or questions or uh, revisions, you know. And he also puts his input in as well. We work on it together, bro. Bro, that is amazing. Congrats, man. Like, I, you know, talking to Keith, you know, we talk about that album, like any label gets so many demos, like so many demos. Some, probably they can't even listen to all of them. And here, here, you know, one of the co-founders reached out to you and was like, can you make an <laughs> album off this song? That's wild, bro. That's so cool. Yeah, I got money. It was one of those songs that I just kind of put out. And I wasn't really thinking about it. And apparently he liked it. So like, so I'm like, okay, this is tight. But like now this is, I guess, my time to shine for it. Like this is all the time to like put all my influences in one basket and really show people who I am for real, not just one song in like one genre or anything like that. Because that's, that's what I feel like. I just feel there's almost kind of like a Tori Moi thing going on. Like Tori Moi has the indie rock thing, but there's this other side of him that has all these weird artistic influences mixed with these really cool R&B and funk and dance vibes. And um, that's kind of what I get out of a, a loop. And I just, like knowing that it's your debut, man, I can't wait to see where you end up in a few albums because I think it's it's so clean. I wonder how sneaky layered the production is because you can hear it and you're like, oh, this is really cool. Like I, it, it's kind of easy to listen to. But I think it's probably more layered, some of the production and complex than you first think. Talk talk to me a little bit about some of your production techniques and, um, I don't know, some of the equipment you're using. 
Sure. Um, I start for the song Gina, right? Like Gina is like one of those songs I really hate on the album, but I really love it. It started off with me just uh, this is the one song I actually tried to make like something really different out there. Like I really want to make a dance song. I thought it was a dance song or something like that, but uh, I started off with the drums for this at first, you know. Uh, and I'm using just like uh, this, where is it at? This is a Kai, uh, it's not like a synth or anything, it's just a little MIDI controller. Unfortunately, I don't have any synths, which I really wish I had some synths, but um, so yeah, I was on there and then I used some arterial plugins, you know, like the Jupiter on there. I love the, um, the mini three on there. I love man. Uh, and then, uh, a lot of conga sounds. I noticed that we have a lot of conga sounds in there and then. I don't know. I just kind of get those, those hi-hats to kind of bounce in a certain way type. Just like kind of like this and instead of just so stagnant, it's not so like in your face. It's kind of just in a dance groove type. And then I was like, what else could I put on this? So I used some sample techniques, you know, to grab that Kanye West sample. And I was like, yo, I kind of like this a lot. The dude who really influenced me for that was uh, Internet Boy. So, uh, Internet Boy's an amazing artist out of Cincinnati, bro. Uh, but he remixed my song Weekend. So, Weekend used to sound a lot different. Well, not a lot different. On the second half, you know how it gets up into like a dance groove. It's the weekend. Yeah, picks up. Make that whole second half. And like, uh, he made that like, as soon as I made the track, he didn't even tell me he made it. He made, he actually made a whole song, like in a dance remix, but I was like, yo, could I use the second, second half if I just cut it with my original and put your, and put your dance half on the second half? Could I do that? He's like, yeah, go for it. And uh, his sound on that really influenced me to make Gina for real. I noticed that he used a lot of congas, uh, congos and uh, these heavy um, bass lines for real. I didn't put any bass lines in Gina, unfortunately which I really wanted to. There's some things I really wish I would have like tackled back then, man. Like, and then that's when people were like, make a deluxe. I'm like, I can't make a deluxe. I don't want to make a deluxe, man. It's over. The, the feeling is over. It's done. It's, it's the image that it is right here. It is interesting because I feel like a lot of the songs do have a second half where they turn into kind of like almost a dance record. Like even, you know, uh, Transport and Grass on the Hills, like the end of that, like kind of turns into a club record too. You could say Was that something intentional? Like you wanted these songs to have these points where they picked up? Like and you just felt like I don't know, maybe it's something you could dance to or just really like bob your head to. Um, I, for me, bro, I just I just listen to my music for hours and hours and hours and hours, days and days, bro. I listen to the same thing forever. So like, and there's something I'm always trying to add on every minute if I'm you know just listening to it for real. So like, once I finish the song, I know it's not really finished until I feel complete on the inside. So like. <laughs> I guess I just add a second half to it. And like a lot of those songs do have that theme to it uh, because I, I spent some time in California. I spent some time in Miami, you know, like back and forth a lot. And uh, I went to a lot of underground raves. Like that was my first time experiencing raves in California, like 2017. 
Wow. Damn. I love that's the background I was looking for. Like that makes sense. That's so cool. <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned the the baseline thing too. Like um Internet Boy brought some kind of bassy aspects and you wanted a baseline on Gina. How do you feel about putting bass in your music? How do you approach that? Dude, I love the bass line. The bass <laughs> line is honestly my favorite. Like I start off with chords, but sometimes when you have the whole beat, I like to solo out everything but the but the chords and the bass line sometimes to see how that rocks. Every and it just it just makes me feel at home, at peace. It feels like when you're sitting outside when you're sitting inside your house, when you're sitting in front of like the window and the sun is peering through, it feels like that. It feels so warm. Just warm bass. Dang, that's amazing. So this is really interesting because I was listening to I mean, this Herb Alpert song the other day. Um, you've heard Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass? No, never. Okay, I think, yeah, that's, there's a huge catalog, but there's some really great stuff. Uh, the sample for Biggie's Hypnotized actually comes from a Herb Alpert song. And so, like, the song's just moving along, and then all of a sudden you hear this bass riff. They're like, I don't know if you call it a bass riff or bass line. That's what I want to talk to you about is, like, actual bass guitar and funk stuff versus, like, actual using, you know, um, kind of machine bass lines, if you will. But you're listening to this song, and then all of a sudden that dunk, 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 you know, the hip. You know, the hypnotized beat comes in, and you're like, whoa, no way. But, um... Like when you're talking about this warm feeling, I just kind of want to explore that because you talk about the funk background of Ohio and stuff. What's the difference between like an actual like really fat, you know, bass riff from a guitar from someone like Bootsy Collins or anyone like that versus like this bass you're kind of talking about that's a little more digitized? Like how do you, what is the difference? I feel like that, that bass right there gets you moving. They're both the same thing in a way. They're very like low undertones, so you feel it in your feet either way. You feel it in your body either way, but like, one makes you feel like introspective. One makes you feel like you want to get up out of your seat in a way, you know, like uh, sub bass just make me feel like I'm in space, like a bass line with a bass guitar. It makes me feel like I just want to, you know, dance like really heavy dancing. Dude, I love that. OK, and so that's how you would call them differently. Like a, a bass line is coming from a guitar and like you would refer to like sub bass as something that's more like digitized bass. Yeah. Even in like indie music, how like uh, bass guitars hit, those are crazy, dude. Those are amazing. Uh, those, I don't know, they make you feel mellow, man. Every, it just, the instrument is so versatile, you know, the sound is so versatile. You can use it in so many different ways. I love that. But uh, this might surprise you, but Thank You, I Love You is actually my favorite track. Um, thank you. Thank you. I love that song, dude. I love that song so much. Well, when I just think of like even Jerry Paper or like Tori Moi, Thank You, I Love You just has this really weird vibe to it. And it's just really groovy and kind of trippy, but just really nice. Thank you, I love you. Thank you, I love you. My favorite words are sorry. Thank you, I love you. And it kind of ties into this idea of for me, like, just why your album is so unique, you know, as a black artist and having this mix of, you know, we talked about this, but this mix of like, just dance stuff, a little bit of rapping, um, and just a really unique sound, I think. So I mentioned Channel Trace to you. And do you listen to him, this electronic producer, Channel Trace? 
I've heard some tracks by him, and he's awesome, dude. He's absolutely amazing. I think he produced. No, he like he performed at uh, Three Points. The first one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's like he's he's legit. Yeah, I think he's out of Compton, but just heavy like house and dance records, and just like but kind of gangster. Like he brings that gangster vibe to it, but it's way more like a dance thing. And yeah, I really like what he's doing. But on his new single, he says, you know, he's like, can't tell me this isn't black music. How do you think about that? Like, you know, this idea of like what black music is, and you know, if you're supposed to sound like you make black music, can you can you explain that a little bit? I know that exact feeling, man. Uh, there, I don't think there's a, a thing called black music for real, honestly. Like, people who put that in, like, a category, you just don't really see it for what it is. Or they don't see the person for what it is. And, uh, you know, just being in that realm kind of puts you in a box, almost. Uh, you feel like you have to make some type of music to please some type of people. Even, like, your own people around you, you know? Like, you know, some people might feel like they won't vibe with this, you know? Like... You know, for me to come from a city where people talk about drugs and stuff like that, and uh, I come out with some, like, fun stuff, some, like, singing stuff, you know, it's weird. I'm not, but I'm not advertising to those people that listen to, like, you know, uh, people who talk about drugs and stuff like that. Um, but it's just not one way, one thing. You know, every person grows up different. Every experience is different. And, like, you know, you shouldn't narrow down your life to one thing, like, as far as, like, black music. Like, that's so... It's so small and minuscule. It makes you feel small and minuscule sometimes. Like yeah. you want to, you want to feel like yourself all the time, man. Like you go, at least for me, you know, I've been all over. Uh, you know, thankfully had that experience from my dad. Uh, but like, you know, you, you get those experiences, and um, you're supposed to put that into your life. But I guess some people aren't fortunate to have those experiences, or like, you know, even to like know how that feels to express yourself like that. Because, uh, you know, like how men are just like really masculine and they don't they're like you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to talk about your feelings like that. It's like, yes, you are. You're human. You know, you're soft. Bro. Your skin is soft. You can get cut by anything like, you know, talk about these things and do these things like, you know, be something that people tell you that you're not. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the way I'm trying to ex- uh, explain it. But like, no, it's beautiful. Uh, Miles Davis said the same thing almost. Uh, he said there is no genre. He hates genre. Like when someone tried to like put his music in the, in the category of jazz, he was like, no, dude, that's just white people doing that. Like, you know, like, yeah, like not to get on the racial tip, but like, you know, like my music is just music. And that's what it is. It's not in a category. OK. And see, I love that. And I, you know, we've been I've talked about that in the last few episodes, this idea of genre. And, and it is lame, like when it's used to box things in. But then I also get that in some ways, like at the very base level, the reason it exists is so you can explain someone's music to someone. Like if they're like, oh, what is, you know, what does Dirty White Band sound like? I'm like, oh, well, you know, like it's got like maybe some funk influences, like it's kind of dancey. So some of those things do exist like to serve a purpose, but I think we get lazy, you know, and they're overused and they can be like kind of box things in. But as for someone who hasn't, so I just want to get your take on this. Um, for someone who hasn't heard your record, like, how would you describe describe it to them? Like, what does it sound like? Uh, it sounds lonely to me, personally. Uh, but um, uh, if you're looking for something new, I would say definitely check it out. You know, like, uh, it's probably something you've heard in different areas of your life, but, like, not all at the same time. You know, you're not sitting in there experiencing all at the same time. So if you're down and willing to hear something like that that's not very consistent in a, in a way, then go for it. You know, it's like, 
you know, you're not going to get the same feeling in one song that you get from the other. I love that. Yeah, it is. It is really different. And it's so interesting, actually, you say that not everyone is fortunate enough to have these experiences that add to their character and personality. And you're kind of saying like, that's that's why Lou sounds like it does, because I've had these different experiences. I've been different places. I've been exposed to different sounds. And you make a good point. Like maybe someone who's caught up in this this music realm where they only talk about drugs or a certain sound and everything's hard. Maybe that that's just their environment. Like that's yeah. what they know. You know, people are making music about what they know. So I, I love that. I think that's a really good point, man. Um, let me let me read. I'm going to read you something real quick about that. That someone was talking to me about about young music. And I just want to get your take on this. So he said that, um, you know, we talked about this playlist he found. He was looking for new music. It was like a bedroom pop playlist. And there was some Mac DeMarco and Home Shake next to like Men I Trust. And I was like, OK, this could be interesting. But he said, I got bored real fast. It felt too easy. Like they all downloaded a free ebook from how to make chill vibes, so to speak. Um, it's like not to say there aren't people who take off from that kind of community driven Internet inspired music. But lots of Gen Z music feels like that to me. First blush, it feels hip and like hip is the norm. Uh, but then he also admitted, you know, he's like, I could be full of shit. Like it's an interesting time for art. And. I think, you know, I gave him like a little preview of Aloof and he's like, I don't know, like it, it sounds like hip music to me. So I wanted to get your take on that, man, because like that's why I said I think Aloof is like sneaky good. Like at first I was like, OK, like this is definitely catchy, but it just stuck with me. And I went back to it and the more I get into it, you know, I love like the riffing you do on the end track. Um, it actually reminds me of Choker. I don't know if you've heard of Choker, but you're just saying these things. You're like me. I'm just transported like. Feels like I'm more at the end, mom. I don't want to lose any more friends. But it's feel like this might be the last of them. There's this riffing that's going on there and this kind of like abstract, like philosophizing about life that I just think is so cool. And it's not hip, like, and it's not, you know, just like surface level stuff. I think it's great. But back to that question, yeah, like if someone just listening to music and they're like, oh, this is just hip or this is just young music, what do you what do you say to that? I don't think you're really listening to what I'm talking about. Then, if you think that, like, uh, yeah, there are like some influence of hip because obviously that's the age and like you know the generation that I'm in right now. But you know, so I'm I'm like kind of forced to like just make that music based off who I am and where I grew up. You know, like it's not like if I made like jazz music, then I'm forcing that. You know what I mean? Like, or if I'm like doing anything else, I'm pretty much forcing that instead of just being who I am for real. So it's just the music that comes out. Uh, but yeah, I think it's not, like you said, it's not surface level things. Uh, when I made Transport, man, you know, I was really going through something for real. It's not like I just made a song to be cool, you know, or made a song to sound good for real. I was really, you know, my stepdad had died and I lost my grandpa the same year. And then uh, my stepdad's son had died that same following year in like a car accident or something like that. So like, and then, you know, everyone's just like, you know, trying to be this fake celebrity on Instagram where they don't like, you know, talk to you anymore, like something like that. No one replies to you or has the time to talk to you on anything in real life or anything like that. So it's like, you know, that's where that stemmed from. You know, it's like real life stuff, but like just portrayed in a different way. I love that dude. And, and I'll be on, I'll be like, to be honest, like he, he admitted that he hadn't, didn't listen to it. And that was my first thought too. Like you're not really list, listening to it. And I think he realized that, but I think I just love that because that goes back again, like people, you've got to treat music like an art form. It's so easy. You know, my buddy would always say, he's like, look, I'm going to send you a song. 
wait till you're in the car, put headphones on. Don't play this through your phone. Like really listen to it. <laughs> give, you know, give it the attention it deserves. So that's beautiful, man. I love the record. Like I said, I cannot wait to see like where you keep going with this. Let's, well, let's bring in a guest question real quick. We had a, a guest question Suda, from Suda. Yeah. Uh, big love to Masuda's producer out of Atlanta, right? He is out of Atlanta, but he started off in South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I've only heard one of his tracks, like a little preview he played on Instagram, but just like it hits hard. Like, it, you know, I felt it immediately. So I'm excited to see what comes from him. But he, he threw in a question. He wanted to ask, uh, are the vinyls coming? I think is what he said. He wanted to know if there's vinyls coming for Aloof. <laughs> Seth really wanted to press vinyls, but like, uh, like I said, my stepdad died around like the year I was making the album. So like I was going through a lot of stuff. I wasn't as focused on the album as I should have been at one point, And that like really drifted to like the deadline. So like I really only had like a week to finish the album. And he was like, either you do it now or you do it like next year. And he's like, if you do it now, you can't get vinyls, you know, like you. Uh, so I just took the L and just didn't do vinyls. Uh, they might <laughs> be coming. I don't know. I just stuck with cassette. At least I have something physical out there. Honestly, if it wasn't for Seth, I probably wouldn't have gotten it out. Like, if he didn't push me to get it out, it probably would have still just been sitting there, me critiquing the songs. <laughs> well, tell me, let's let's talk about Bad Jeans, because I just want to give them some love. And I kind of, I know that's a big part of your background. Like you said, you wouldn't be, kind of wouldn't be where you are if it wasn't for Bad Jeans. So yeah, t tell me about Bad Jeans. Man, Bad Jeans consists of, I mean, it consists of six members. So me... My friend Dose, uh, Tsunami 811, Zola 182, Super Duper Don, and Proxy, EHC. Uh, we, for the most part, we all grew up in Ohio, besides Tsunami. He's out of New York. Uh, we met him actually in 2017. We established Bad Jeans as an actual business in 2020. Yeah, July of 2020, but it's been a thing since, you know, 2015. I've just been saying it for a long time. Uh, it used to be called Cisco Pink, which only consisted of me, Zola, and those, which is only three people. And then as time went on and we started liking more people with music, we were like, yo, this is crazy. Like, we should actually, like, you know, turn this into, like, almost like a label or a collective, you know, how collectives were, like, really popular back then. We didn't want to necessarily be a group to where we needed to be on every song with each other, but we admire each other's songs. So, um, yeah, it stemmed from there, and like, uh, they're just my friends. They're my best friends. They have the best interest in me, and I have the best interest in them. And uh, uh, we built this together for real. like it started with just me, Dose, and I mean, me, Dose, and Zola, but it evolved into something much bigger and much more beautiful. Like, we have a studio together we all can go to at any time, man. Uh, we have clothes, you know, like, uh, I don't know, we have great ideas, and like, we're usually all on the same track, you know, like, we usually have all the same vision, which is beautiful. That's amazing, yeah. Like some of those guys are on Aloof, they're on your album, right? Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever done like a, a group, like a group track or anything like that? Or has there been thoughts to do like kind of a Bad Jeans album? Like what, what are kind of some future plans for Bad Jeans? I'm glad you asked. Um, so we have <laughs> this thing called No Bev. So it's just straight heaters, no no breaks. So, you know, like uh, you have no drink to like catch up, basically, that's a concept. It's like hot, hot as shit coming out, so. Um, Sick. Okay, and it's called No Bev, like No Beverage, No Bev? Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing that people were saying in uh, New York. We lived out there for like three months, and they were like, yo, No Bev, and like, 
That's hard, dude. Let's get that. I love that. That's crazy. Um, <clears throat> cool. So, well, where can where can we find like the first Nobev? Like, where where can we play that? Where can we hear that? The first Nobev is on Spotify and Apple Music and stuff like that, but it's it's more renowned on SoundCloud. I think you can find it on every platform, though, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. Well, dude, I think. Uh, I think that's it, man. Hey, I just Cam, I'm, I'm excited, dude. It was great to talk to you. Excited to hear what you do next and uh, going to keep an eye on you, man. And um, thanks again. I hope you have a good day, dude. Yes, sir. See you, Justin. Thank you, man. Of course. Thanks for listening to episode three with Dirty White Vans. Episode four will feature Colobo, an experimental artist who just finished touring with Beach House. Stay tuned.